his first run and a good one. Williams outside, 15, keeps his feet, and Williams finds the end zone, and he is in for a touchdown. On second down, here's a toss. Here is Lucas. Jalen Lucas, that great speed, keeps his feet inside the 30. Lucas, 10, 5, touchdown, Indiana. It's Henderson cutting back and finding the end zone. Touchdown, Indiana. Welcome to the OEO Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bragg. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Braggley, B-R-A-G-G-L-E-Y. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, uh, Brandon is not with us today. He is in Vegas still, I think. Um, just doing Vegas things, I'm assuming. Um, probably still celebrating his mediocre team's mediocre win over a bad team um, in Vegas, which is cool, though. I mean, it's cool. I had to watch my team beat a good team. At my on my couch, not in Vegas, which is different. So, um, with us though, who does not have a an NFL team at all, which we could talk NFL. I'd love to do that with Seth. Uh, that's Seth. I just gave it away, I guess. Producer Seth, you can block him on Twitter at say top five s e t a h five. What's up, Seth? My teams are so bad. Uh, you know your college team. They at least try. They a little bit. They tried a little bit. Um, The times I didn't watch that game. And now, listen, I'm going to be, everybody's going to say, oh, look, the guy that calls Purdue little brother is watching Purdue. No, they said it in the broadcast, I think about 16 times. And I don't think unless you went back and rewatched it, you wouldn't have known. But they talked about how great it is for the Big Ten to be, to play Friday night games and how it is huge for teams like, and I quote, Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, Michigan State, uh, Northwestern, Rutgers to get national spotlight on them and not be hidden uh, behind some other games on Saturday. Uh, How do you feel about that? I could give a damn. It was a cool environment. It was a mostly full stadium. It was the first time I got to see the lights. Um, I think you and I both kind of uh, bashed on the night on the lights initially, but you know, at night, it's pretty cool. No, as an opposing fan, I hate the lights. And especially, the only reason, oh, every time I ever see it, are we not exposing private texts? We're just going to be say? on the we're just going to be on the record and be like, I'm I'm anti lights. No, I I so I hate the lights, and I'll tell you why I hate the lights because they were terrifying in 2019 during the bucket game because I, we were fine, we were cruising, and then those lights started kicking in too much and. uh that's why I don't like them. Would I like them in my stadium? Yes, I would. Uh, although San Jose State, as I noticed on, I think I watched them <laughs> as well on Friday. <laughs> uh, they have them as well. And so I don't know if I want them just because they have them too. So uh, either way, that's enough light talk. It's enough other stuff. Uh, thankfully, our game was played on Saturday while there were some other marquee matchups going on. Um the reversible jacket team was playing Ohio State. Uh, so hopefully a lot of people didn't catch this. But I think based on our Twitter mentions, which I note, which I silenced about halfway through the game, um, <laughs> most of you were watching the game, unfortunately. Uh, the game we are talking about, the one that the win that feels like a loss, Seth. IU defeats Akron 29-27 in four overtimes. Um, and the first note I put in here is, believe it or not, Seth, we effing won the game. You wouldn't believe it if you did anything but check Twitter mentions or just check 
Twitter timeline in general. Uh, and, but I use back to 500 heading into conference play. Uh, they fall to three and one against the spread. Um, oh, first, I know, I know that's tough. You know what I didn't do? Thanks to tailgate, not having a signal, put money on the spread. It was in my, it was in my betting cart <laughs> to do it. And it didn't happen. Um, IU does move to five and zero against Akron all time. I think it was five and I didn't look it up. I think it's five and zero. Uh, and here's an interesting stat. Two interesting stats. One, it's the first time IU's ever won while we're wearing a black uniform. There's that one. Um, the other interesting stat is this is the first time in the last 16 years that a MAC team has not beaten a Big Ten team in the regular season. First yes. of all, the uh, they said that like four different times during the broadcast. Did they say that? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, I heard know. that in it Tom just, Allen's press conference it was, today. It was interesting the first time I heard it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you guys, sorry for everybody that wasn't at the game that, that heard that a thousand times. I'm sure that the broadcasting team of big 10 network was stellar. Hey, Adam Brenneman is the man. Oh, I did. You had Adam Brenneman. Yeah. That's who was on the Indiana state yeah, game. It, it was Awful. good. No, no, he's good. He's good. Was the, was it a different color commentator then? I don't know. I didn't watch. I don't know. I didn't watch the Indiana state game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I bet you wish you would have after watching what you had to watch on Saturday. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, we will go ahead and we'll dive into it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the stats because they're not great. Um, it's It was the one of the weirdest games. I'll come out and say it now, I guess. We'll just get this soapbox rant over and done with. Um, what should have been, I think, a pretty fun atmosphere was almost kind of dead it, it, it didn't seem the fan base and, and myself i guess included seemed uh, uh like overly arrogant um the black uniforms are cool for a while but i think now that just based on this game i've got kind of a bad taste in my mouth with them um i haven't watched any highlights i haven't watched any anything because of this game um it was weird i don't know how it came across on on tv it came across like a, a mostly full stadium for for most of the for most of the game. Um, what I noticed was not a lot of black. Interesting no. for a blackout. Not a lot no. of black. No, the decent. The students did okay. The students tried, um, but no, there was you know there's a lot of rebellion, and I okay. How do I how do I play both sides on this one? Um, You'll get a chance to, to later. Well, trying to keep the secret, trying to keep the black uniforms a secret, oh while trying God. to roll out a blackout at the same time is not going to work. You just can't do it. So it's dumb. It it was dumb. Yes, I agree. Um, speaking of dumb, I'll continue through my notes here real quick. The IU sports media team. <laughs> I understand that we post the locker room fight song after every victory. It's happened, I think, since Tom Allen has taken over as coach, maybe even before that. But I, I'm not sure we... Maybe we just let this one slide. Maybe we stick this on Facebook or something where not so many people are going to see it. Uh, 
that one got ripped apart. And even Purdue people have a hold of it now. And I, again, as I said, I have not been on Twitter. I've been on my personal Twitter because there's a lot of Arsenal stuff on there and Colts and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm staying away from IU football Twitter for a, a, a little bit. But I, what do you do in that situation, Seth? You've got to post it, right? But all I'll say is there's this narrative that's existing in the IU football fandom. I, I shouldn't even say football fandom, just IU fandom in general that... Um, that Tom Tom Allen is this new version of Clappy Hands Coach 2.0. Um, that he's just this cheerleader incarnate. Um, and that does not do anything to dispel that myth. Um, we definitely think that he's more to that, but there's definitely that narrative. There's a small pocket of the of the fans that seem to think that um, you know, he's kind of a I don't know, that was the thing I always liked about Tom Crean. He was always clapping his hands. Um <laughs> and, and I think they get a lot of those vibes. I, I don't think that does anything to spell that. And I think at some point you have to get, you know, those people are going to feed into that. And some point you just got to cut it off and be like, all right, we just turn the page on to week five. Yeah, I, that's exactly what it needs to be. Um, unfortunately, this is a post game po- uh, podcast where we have to talk about the game. Um, I'll talk about a couple other things. One, I need to apologize to Akron and to DJ Irons uh, specifically. That dude's an athlete. I don't yeah. know what they were doing in the first three games, um, but we could not stop him. And on the other side of that, I do need to take back a lot of the things I said about um, Coach Gary, Chad Wilt, Tom Allen, about making adjustments at halftime. Um, I'm not sure how it looked on TV, but it looked exactly the same as it did in the first half where we would get immense pressure on this guy and he would just escape the pocket and there was no spy. There was nobody near him and he was running all over us. So normally I watch these games with myself, but, uh, the wife was watching it with me this time and I just kept saying to her, they have no answers. They have no answers. It was the same stuff over and over again. There was no new concepts. There were no wrinkles. There were no deviations on a theme. It was just the same stuff over and over again. And it was effective and nobody ever stopped it. Nobody changed. Nobody did any kind of wholesale blitz. Nobody did any, you know, altering coverages. It was just kind of more of the same over and over again. And eventually, uh, you know, Akron couldn't couldn't score enough two point conversions or kick enough field goals to win. Yeah, and I don't think we're really going to dive in and break down the game too much, but I would like to say a couple things. One, I'm not blaming the defense for this game. Um, I mean, you take out overtime, they they gave up, uh, what would that be? That would be 10, 17 points, three of which came on a very short field um, after a, a really bad interception from Taven. They were um, responsible for as many points scored as they were given up, if yes. you want to kind of play that yeah. game. So you can let's let's flip over to the other side of the ball and talk about two times at down at the one yard line. One time turned out to be actually, I think, a genius call uh, by kicking the field goal um, and taking the points there. Um, but again, it's Akron and it's a Mac team and you're supposed to be a Big Ten team and a power five school. You've got to score from the one um, from it's got to happen. You know, those little breast conference patches yeah. they have on there. Uh huh. Uh huh. What does the one on IU say? B I G B one G. Sorry. What is the What does the one on Akron say? I don't know. It says M A M A C. Maybe I'm assuming I didn't see their jerseys close enough. By that sheer 
comparison alone, yeah, you go for it. By the size of our offensive line compared to their defensive line, you should be able to run them over. And it didn't happen. And it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, we'll talk about why it didn't happen, I think, and um, yeah. who's to blame a lot. Uh, it's going to be a lot of replay from, I think, last week, except maybe the volume is going to be turned up a little bit more. Um, speaking of that, real quick, uh, some keys from the press conference today. I'm sure a lot of people didn't watch it. I watched it in anticipation for something that didn't happen. Um, but for something that I thought was very un-Tom Allen-like, which was to basically rip his offensive coordinator um, in the press conference without swearing, I guess <laughs> he was asked. And I believe it was Rab Johns that asked this question. He came out and basically said, look, I'm not going to, we're not, I'm not going to hold back. Here's, here's what it is. The play calling was bad. It's been two weeks in a row. What do you, what is this? Like, and what do you think your offense is supposed to look like? And, um, basically Tom Allen said, and, and this is basically like him swearing, he said it's not good enough. And you're four games into the into the season, and outside of one game, they've looked like complete dog crap outside of a half of Louisville. Um, and Tom Allen continually hammered home that that's what he wanted the offense to look like was what it looked like in the second half. Taven Jackson said the exact same thing in a post-game press conference after that game, and it didn't happen. Too much of what, Seth? More garbage triple option stuff where we're leaving Taven or uh, either um, what am I looking for? Jalen Lucas. There was one time where we where Taven pitched it because he had no other option. He pitched it, and it's Jalen Lucas surrounded by five people ten yards deep in his backfield. Well, and, here's what you noticed also, Jalen Lucas. How many receptions did he have? Uh, zero, right? Yeah, or very small. Yeah. Zero catches. Where's the creativity? I mean, Akron did a lot. They keyed on him a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. That He was the cue. Uh, you know, they were trying to make sure that he didn't break out. But even at some point, you force it. You yeah. force a target. You force the receptions. Because they did a, a lot of, yeah, yeah. They did a lot of really good things defensively. They were, they were, they were some really some things that they did offensively they that were, were mind boggling. What's that? They were quick on defense. They were very quick and they had Taven under pressure the entire time. Every time he dropped back to pass, he was under pressure. There was a free linebacker running through the middle um, or they'd pick up the linebacker and the defensive lineman would win his one-on-one -on -one matchup. Uh, we've got some stuff to talk about. We'll just keep going. We'll just keep yeah. moving. We'll get to it whenever we get to it. We'll start. Um, no, let's segue into stock down. Okay. I think that's okay. the perfect way to do it. Okay, I think so too. I've got a lot to pick from on the offensive side. Uh, I think we can both pick a player or, or a group, and then we can talk about the coordinator if you want, or you can do it however you want. You can go first. No, let's just stick with the let's stick with the position group. I think that's the offensive line is the is mm -hmm. the easy answer here. This is a game where you should have run for two hundred yards. They ran for ninety two, mm -hmm. and they struggled again in short yardage. So again, we can point the blame game when in doubt. Blame the coach. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's kind of our default in yeah. a lot of these situations. So we don't want to blame the players. Um, but at some point, what did I say? The difference between the big, the B1G and the MAC, I, the goal line situation should be gimmies. They should be layups. They should be those putts that you don't even have to put in the hole. That's mm -hmm. what it should be. And it's not there yet. 
Um, so the offensive line has to take the onus, you know, whether right, rightfully, wrongfully, whatever the onus is on them. They have to be the ones who demand uh, that they go for it in those short yard situations. And they have to be the ones who ultimately are the reason why they execute it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to pick a controversial one, I think. And I'm going to pick Jalen Lucas. Um, not only was he targeted, which is, you know, that's, that's what a lot of teams are going to do moving forward, but you've got to be, if you, if you're the stud that everybody thinks that you are, that you are, you've got to be better. You've got to get open. You've got to make catches. You can't catch the punt that you caught and not fair catch that because you got blown up on that one. Your kick return, uh, two kick returns, one long of 34, but a total of 37 yards. Um, it's just got to be better from him. He's an elite athlete. We know he's great. These are the games where he should just be popping off the screen and just stat gathering. And he did nothing. 13 carries for 43 yards. A lot of that's situational. And again, as Seth said, I don't want to blame too much on the players. I do think some of his decision-making in special teams was bad. Um, But again, offensively, not good. Um, and it, and it, and it hurt as well. Um, can I ask you one question? Yeah. Going into that game, who do you think the best athlete on the, in between those two teams was going into the game? Jalen Lucas, he should be the, one of the best athletes on the team or on the field, no matter what game that is. Right. But the default you're playing against Akron. So it should be Jalen Lucas. He should be the Mm -hmm. default answer for most athletic player leaving that game. Who did you feel was probably the most athletic player in that game? It was DJ Irons, right? Well, I was going to say Cam Camper. Well, Homer. Yeah, but I mean, the answer was DJ Irons. He was the most athletic player on the field uh, Saturday. Yeah. So this is the perfect transition into me just, uh, we can just continue the Walt Bell bus crash or whatever you want to call it, just running the bus over him. We can back it up again, I guess, since we've already ran it over once. Um, I said Cam Camper for a reason. This guy, I don't know how many times he was targeted, but four catches, 103 yards, a touchdown. I don't know if I think that was the overtime touchdown um, where he completely mossed the dude. Anytime you threw the ball, they they did nothing. They disrespected our receiving core like you wouldn't even believe, Seth. I don't know if you, what you could tell on, D, on TV. I saw nothing but single deep safety, man coverage across the board. And anytime Taven would throw anything up towards him, he caught it. He averaged 26 yards a catch. You got to hammer that and hammer it and hammer it. And Donovan had a walk-in touchdown from the from midfield had he just caught the ball before he ran. But this game, is it's just so frustrating. And it's another game where I said it was going to be a bounce-back game for Walt, and it wasn't. If anything, he just dug himself into a bigger hole. Um, you have it. You sent a, a, a plethora of tweets, and you sent a tweet on Sunday when it was the middle of, in a very important soccer game for me. Um, but you sent it right in the very middle of it, and uh, I, I may let you read it or at least paraphrase it for the people that don't well, do Twitter or haven't read it. Um, but it's IU has talent everywhere, talent in the backfield, talent at receiver, talent at quarterback. And they're just getting, 
let down. I can't think of any other appropriate phrase to say by the play calling. They're not being deployed in a way that takes advantage of their obvious skill sets. They're players who have talents and you're continuously putting them in a position that does not, you know, make effective that talent when you, you know, at least this game, it seemed like the majority of the rushes inside were Turner. So that made sense. You're like, okay, that makes sense. And he was, he was really effective. He was creasing. Mm-hmm. He was getting in and out of cuts. Very good. Two yards of carry. Yeah. yeah. 13 um, carries, Seth. 13 carries at 5.2 yards a carry. But we talked about this pregame. Well, I mean, actually, I was on the pregame podcast. Uh, we're This was early in the offseason. We talked about the pregame for Akron. We said this should be an ISU 2.0 game. This yeah. should be a game where you, you put up the 300-pounders, you roll them out there, and you say, we're going to run for 200 yards. You know, you know, put it on our back. We're going to we're going to run these guys into the ground. Where is that? Where's the attitude? Where's the decisiveness? Where is that fear monger mentality where you say we're bigger than you? We're stronger than you and we're going to crush you. Yeah. Where is that? It's not Walt Bell. No. That's the answer. I know that much. No, I'm telling you, if it's not for the takeaways, let me read some stats. We're not going to get embarrassed, takeaways- though. We're no. going to play calls not to get embarrassed. Let's not get blown That's out. Right. Hold on. Is this a Tom and is this a Tom Allen or a Walt oh. Bell impression? I don't know. I don't know which one. I just get into a um, blind rage sometimes. I don't, he's not even my coach. No, I'm going to read some stats. 24 first downs, 474 yards, 263 yards rushing. T- uh, time of possession, 34 to 25. If it's not for the three picks, should have been flipped. It's really, really ugly for IU. Really ugly. And to be honest, we it was the, one of the luckiest things I've ever seen in my life. I was done. I was packed up, getting ready to walk out of the stadium. Cannot believe they missed that field goal to force overtime. Um, just to give you a vibe, and Seth knows me, I think, um, just as well as Brand- as Brandon does as far as being at the game and my general intensity and, and you know, the fact that I pay attention to everything, I stopped paying attention. 17, 10, the game was over. I was done. Uh, we had won. They were just going through the motions at that point. The defense had really stepped up. Then they gave up that huge run. I wasn't even looking at the play. I look up, he's gone. Like I, I praised the defense for a lot of things and granted the offense put him in a bad spot. And that was the worst play that they had, that they had really all game. But, um, Man, this this ought to be the biggest wake up call uh, that we see. I've seen in a long time. I would say. Well, let's talk stocks down for defense then. Let's do that, it. That, that's exactly what it was. It was the QB run game and the interior run defense was was awful. Two hundred and sixty three yards given up. 141 yeah. to Irons and 113 to Lingard. Lingard that, had a 71 yarder, a big one. Yeah. So Those, other than that, yeah. The, the number should right. have been flipped. That should have been that should have been, you know, Lucas uh Lucas and, and Turner. Turner. Yep. Yeah. You, you gotta establish a power run game at some point, and you gotta you gotta stop a power run game at some point. I think those are the two most disappointing things that we, uh, well, aside from the 
<laughs> you know, uh, aside from the coaching box. Uh, I think those are the two yeah. most disappointing things we witnessed on Saturday. Yeah. And I, those are the two things we've already, uh, kind of focused in on Tom Allen, Chad, Wilt, Matt Geary. Um, that was my stock down. My other one was interior defensive line, uh, who was not good. I mean, really, I mean, they had a couple TFLs, um, if we want to, sh- yeah, they did. If we, I mean, if we want to shout some people, I guess Phil Bleedy had a TFL on, on six tackles. Um, I think, uh, let me see who else got in there. It's really it on the defensive line as far as TFLs go. I mean, you had Andre Carter, who I thought was a menace all game. He just couldn't get there. They would run away from him again. It's going to happen all season. And then you had Aaron Casey. He was, he was you know, the run fill linebacker doing a great Casey. job. We'll talk about him in yeah. stock up. I mean, we have oh, to. Yeah. Absolute stud, that guy. Um, but yeah, but you're right. Somebody on the D yeah. line has to be, has to be a make a player. We thought that that interior defensive line was going to be uh, elite or or one of the bright spots of this defense, and it, it just hasn't yet. Now, granted, we're four games in, and I want to remind people we did win the game, so that's good, I guess. Seth, go on. And they're an improvement over last year. That's the other yes. thing is these players are better. They're they're doing better. It's just some inconsistencies here or there, and yeah. you know they just need to continue to grow. Yeah. Okay. Let's flip over. We'll do some positivity. Uh, we can, we'll go over to the offensive side and then we'll finish on the defense. Cause there's a lot to talk about. Um, I think on both sides, really, there's not a whole lot on offense, but, um, do you want to take the easiest one or do you want to take Christian? Is, Christian, Turner? is Christian Turner the easy one or is he the hard no. one? I was, he is the no, other one. I was going to say you have the hard on for, uh, yeah, I, no, I thought the answer was Christian Turner, uh, 13 carries, 67 yards. He had that first touchdown, uh, in the second quarter to get IU on the board. I really thought that he provided uh, a spark in the absence of Josh Henderson that, that -hmm. I think a lot of those touches probably would have gone to him. Um, they missed Josh Henderson in the pass protection game. Big time. Big time. I, I thought. I thought the running backs did a oh, and and the tight ends to an extent did a very poor job in the past game. Uh, Tom Allen called up. that out today too. If you didn't hear that, uh, and that's where Henderson is super reliable. Not just catching passes. That's the glory. That's the glamour stats. We see those all the time. Um, it's those pass the pass pro bl- uh, pickups uh, that he is just absolutely a dog about. Um, but Christian Turner, what he did do was he provided the interior run game. So he averaged mm-hmm. the 5.2 yards. He was able to make things happen. Um, so when we want to poo-poo the offensive line a little bit here or there, we want to say that Jalen Lucas couldn't really get things going a little bit in the run game. Uh, Christian Turner was able to get it going and and was able to get at least a 17 yard chunk. So um, they're, you know, not say big plays, but there were some gashers in there. Um, and and he showed some mobility and some confidence that you'd like to see carry forward in the Big Ten play, especially if Josh Henderson's going to be out another week. Yeah. Nice did, to have did a, anybody, a stable back there. Yeah. Did anybody uh, address that by chance? Not that I heard. OK, they, they decided he was out and that Turner to get the the bulk of the replacement touches. Okay. Yeah. Hopefully we see Josh here um, soon. Yeah. Not, he's not to, kid. not to, I, I can't imagine Christian they'll keep him out too long. Yeah. Um. Yeah. My, my picks camp camper. I mean, of course. we, I took a, I took Garrett from Monon track club, took him out to the game. It's the first game I've taken him to. Um. He's a casual IU football fan. If I had to be legit about it, but um, 
he saw camper for the first time. I think it was in the first quarter. He had a huge catch kind of opposite sideline of where we were sitting. And I think after the second catch, he just stood up and he's just like, continue throwing the ball to six. What are we doing? Because I'm pretty sure we'd get like a 35 yard gain and then ran three consecutive triple options for negative 12 yards or something. But, um, that is something I have screamed in front of you multiple times. And I just don't understand how, if they're going to continue to single coverage him, he has a six inch, um, height difference between that corner. He's a complete freak of an athlete. Give him the football. Did I give his stat line yet? He only had four catches for 103 yards, 25.8 per reception and one touchdown where he just, he, the guy didn't even, he stood no chance. He caught it over his back and was just like, yeah, this is no big deal. So we talked about, I don't get it. There were probably, you know, there were some guys who should have been able to show up and have big games, big games on Saturday. There was one guy who showed up and had a big game and it was Cam Camper. Yeah. He, he should have shown up, been able to show up and dominate, just wake up out of bed and kick some ass. And he did. Yeah. So it's just disappointing. I, how do I, I don't know. I I don't know how to, to, to put my feelings, I guess, into words as far as how I really did feel about this game. And like during the game, it just felt flat all the way around, had a great tailgate, had a good time pregame. And it just felt, everything just felt flat. Like we're going to, we're going to walk in, walk, we're going to walk in. And we're going to just dominate. That's my Walt Bell impression, by the way. Um, and we're just going to dominate. And it, we just waited and waited and waited for it to happen. And it just never happened. And it was just, it was the weirdest game. So, okay. Uh, did we talk defense yet? No. It's pretty easy, I think, on defense. Um, who do you have? There's a bunch to pick from. Uh, the answer is a little more. Okay. Six tackles, right. four solos. And the two biggest plays of the game. Yeah. The, the the interception returned inside the, I can't remember if it was inside the 10 or inside the five. Uh, and then the touchdown. I mean, those were, he accounted for 14 points that without, oh dear God, imagine, <laughs> just imagine. Oh yeah. Without those two plays. So I think he's um, the default answer. I know there's some other players who definitely played out. Um, but when you talk about, being able to point to two specific plays that completely changed the tenor of that game. Who boy, Lou Moore. Yeah. Good for you, buddy. I'm going to, I'm going to throw something out there and I wonder if you saw it the same way I did live. When he made that pick where he scored, did you not get the feeling where he got the ball and he said, I have to get a touchdown here? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. I had just tweeted right before that. I had actually said, uh, somebody's going to need to score a touchdown here to, to do something and or start, I'm craving an interception here, something like that. And then immediately, boom. Yeah. Um, His yeah, urgency, I think he knew it. Yeah. He ha- he ran the full other length, like across the field to get into the end zone. Like his, usually you see a lot of these, like you know, they'll pick it and this, maybe they'll try to get upfield a little bit, whatever. We've got the ball, no big deal. But his, it felt like an urgency when he intercepted that ball to that. He had to score a touchdown there and it, it was crucial, crucial. Um, there's a couple of people I'd like to talk about. We kind of talked about Andre Carter a little bit. I thought he was an, an absolute beast again. I mean, this guy is a talent. 
Um, and he'll have his game. He'll have a total pop off. He had one sack in this game as well. Um, I think that takes his total to, is it three on the year, two on the year. Um, again, he's the, the sack numbers may not be there in every game, but his pressures and his, just his presence, um, is huge. And it just forced everything the other way. Um, there's a couple people I was going to go Phil Dunham again. I don't think that his stock can get much higher than where it's at. So let's go and let's just do Noah Pierre here. I thought he had a classic Noah Pierre game. Um, seven tackles, one sack, uh, was, was pretty good in the past game. He did have one kind of tricky penalty at some point. Um, but I thought he was, I thought he was good. I thought he was a really good presence out there. He was really good as far as getting some of the fans into the game. Um, I did forget to do a stock down, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But um, as well as we talked about Aaron Casey, we've got to give him an honorable mention, I guess. Again, this guy's another guy where his stock can't go up. I'm pretty sure you go to every every box score so far this season. Aaron Casey's the leading tackler in every single one of them. Uh, I didn't check Ohio State, but I'm assuming that's what it is. Again, 13 tackles for him. One tackle for loss. He was just he was everywhere. He was huge. Um, let me go back to what I just kind of. Uh, teased a little bit you couldn't tell on tv there's no way you could i don't know what happened and i'm sorry if you listen to this podcast whoever was the pa announcer on saturday was god awful i uh, seth let me give you an example it would be third and one and iu makes a stop and akron's gonna go for it the pa guy would say something along the lines of the offense is staying on the field. Okay, Hoosier fans, it's fourth down. You know what to do. And it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen him or heard at an IU game. It was like he was trying to be the normal guy. He would do the touchdown Hoosiers, but it, he wouldn't get into that pitch. Um, also, another stock down as well to the cannon. I think I threw that in the group text as well. Can we get rid of it? Can we be done with the cannon? It's obnoxious. It scares literally every single person in the corner that I sit in. Um, it's unnecessary. We are not in uh, a military school. Um, we appreciate the ROTC, I guess. Uh, do we thank you for them? Do, is that a thank you for your service? I'm not being, I'm just kidding. Like, I'm not being like legit. Okay, I didn't know that. Thank you, Seth. Uh, so yeah, thank you for your service, ROTC. But uh, we don't need to do the canon, I don't think. Or maybe just move it somewhere like outside of the stadium. <laughs> it's too loud in the stadium too loud. Um, that's my other stock down. I'm sure I'm going to get killed for that one. I'm, I'm sorry. Thank you all armed services and stuff like that. Uh, before you go to the promo, just let me add Noah Pierre continues to get home when he pass rushes out of that yeah. backfield. Mm-hmm. I tell you, whenever you see him coming off the rush or coming off the edge on a pass rush, he'll get his hands on the quarterback almost every time. Such a great way of, I don't know if it's how he disguises it or if it's just his technique, um, but he, he just, he gets home. He gets through. Yeah. Um, speaking of getting home, we get to revisit predictions. Old Brandon over there is saying, I'm never going to win one of these, am I? Um, unfortunately, buddy, I think you were the closest, (laughs) (laughs) um, Brandon had IU winning 31 to 13. Uh, I had us winning 41 or 49, 14. I think I changed it to 42, 10 before the game. And then Seth had 37, seven. All of those were way more realistic of a score, a score line than what actually happened. 
But congratulations, Brandon. You won on a four overtime game. Let's go. Um, if you're Brandon. listening, listening on the plane tomorrow morning. Congratulations. I don't know if you're coming home tomorrow or not. I can't remember what you yeah. said. Have another airplane airplane drink on us, pal. Have another one. Celebrate. Let the plane know you finally got the dub. So bring out your terrible towel out of your walk or your carry on or whatever. And there you go. Uh, no Brando. So no Brando's randos. Um, we've got Seth sack, I think, which hopefully is just him revisiting tweets from Saturday and Sunday, but, uh, we'll see. What Let's do you got? Do Seth? All right. So I, I'll bring up the original tweets or whatever, uh, if you want to, but essentially the idea was this, um, that was embarrassing, right? Um, Alan Bell and Dolson, I, I may or may not have called for their firings. All of them. We'll see. Um, you guys can read between the lines. Um, maybe it was outright. Who knows? But they were never going to get fired. It's hyperbolic remarks meant to punctuate a point of frustration. All right. Uh, but the die has been cast for the firing of Bell at some point this year and Allen in December of 24 when the buyout drops to a little over, what, $7 million. So it's not, you know, so that nobody's going to be surprised if and when it happens. Now, you know, there's still the, the redemption arc. There's still possibilities. I'm, we're not giving up on them, obviously, but nobody will be surprised if those inevitabilities happen. Dolson will never be fired because basketball people love him. Now, I would love to see him hire a football-specific guy with a budget to invest in the game day experience, coaching salaries, marketing strategies, you know, so that things like last Saturday aren't an embarrassment. That probably won't happen, but okay. Our role is always to support the players, so the coaches and the administrators bear the majority of our lash-outs because they get paid and paid well to validate our support. And when a gap exists in that space, you get anger or apathy. The problems can be addressed with better play calling, better utilizing, or better utilization of obvious talents, playing complementary football, playing disciplined football. And over the course of a season, most of those areas dramatically improve. So there's hope. The Hoosiers could easily be three and one right now. They could easily be one and three too. But they're two and two with several winnable games on the schedule. And they have players. We talk about them week in, week out. We talk about how Jackson is so exciting. We talk about how Camper is a physical beast on the outside. We talk about how the defense has playmakers at all three levels. Really exciting guys who can turn you over, who can, uh, who can pressure quarterbacks, who can, stay, uh, who can really ruin a run game. You know, So let's just agree to flush the events the past weekend, never speak of it again, and move on with our lives with optimism. There are still a lot of things to like, and we're going to try to focus on them. Oh, I love that. Was that reading from Twitter? No, that's just my, that's what I rewrote today at lunch. Well done. Um, we are calling for the firing of Walt Bell. Oh, yeah, that doesn't just change. Just to be very clear of that. <laughs> just to be very clear. Um, you don't need to read between the lines of that. Uh, we, and Mr. We know, Bell... We realistically I, know that's not going to happen until... You know, there's got to be some kind of... Bro, I don't know. I... If Saturday goes as bad as I don't think it's going to be that, I think they show up on Saturday. I'm not going to say that they win, but I but think they show up Saturday. The point is, you continue to root for them. You continue to hope yeah, that they get it. Of you, course. you continue to hope that they figure it out because the kids are working their asses off and they're yeah. laying, their, they're putting it on the effort. They're putting their bodies on the line. They're throwing everything out there every single game. 
they're doing exactly what they're asked of. You just want to see them be put in a better position to win. Guess what else? Rutgers, Illinois, Michigan State, and Purdue are not very good. Rutgers got exposed. Like I told you that they would on Saturday. Um, If you want to get to six and six, the options. Those are the four. It's out there. (laughs) It is out there. And honestly, I mean, I don't think Maryland's. I do. And. I'm not saying that we're going to win. I actually predicted a loss at the beginning of the season, so I don't take this the wrong way. I don't think Maryland's the nine-win team that we thought they were going to be, but they could be just because of the way that their schedule sets up. Right. Um, I mean, look at the... I mean, they got to play Michigan State, what, during this turmoil? So, um, yeah. You got to stay positive. Again, as I've said at the very beginning, and I've said other times, we did win Saturday, just... So everybody is clear. It was ugly. It was ugly. But we were really ugly last year against Michigan State, and this wasn't the same blowback than what we got. Now, granted, completely different things, but again, it's a win is a win. All you need is six of them. I don't care if we get uh, if we get outrushed or whatever by another 200 yards and another win, as long as we win the game. You know what I mean? So... Um, that's really all I've got. I know that sounded kind of stupid there at the end, but um, well, the, the uh, bottom line is I think a lot of people expected you guys to be two and two right now. So it doesn't matter yeah. how you got here. Does does not matter. There are no pretty points. There are no ugly points. You got to two and two. That's where people expected you to be. How, how mad can part you be about it, that? Yeah. yeah. The unfortunate part I think is that it. uh, it doesn't set up great for what's coming up next. Well, so you're no. at, come on, let me put it. I mean, I'm just saying you're at a high, you're, you got two road games coming up against the M teams mm-hmm. and you've got, you're at Maryland and at Michigan um, against two pretty high powered offenses. Michigan should be able to expose what's been our weakness so far as in, in the run game. Um, Maryland ought to be interesting because we always tend to play Maryland pretty tough. Um, no matter where it's at and no matter what the talent yeah, may be. And we guess what? We have, I'm pretty sure we still own the all-time record as far as uh, wins and losses go against Maryland. So uh, a lot to be negative about, to be honest, uh, which is different than what we came off of last game, which was a loss um, talking about. But there's a uh, there's a lot still to play for in the season, and two and two is where we needed to be, and um, you know three and one three and one would have been nice, but we are we can only win the game that's there, and we want it. So um, that's it. I'm going to stop rambling, and and I think probably putting myself into a bigger hole. So uh, be sure to check out our pod on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Threads. It's at podcastleo. Podcastleo.com is for um, all the stuff that you need for the podcast. You can get to anything that we have our Patreon. Uh, Twitter account, Instagram account, everything's right there. Um, as well as our shop, be sure to, uh, follow our partner, big banter sports at big banter sports on all of the platforms as well. Um, they all have news on our podcast as well as the other 13 podcasts, which cover the crappy football teams in the conference. Uh, be sure to download rate review and follow on all of our platforms and join us next week as we preview our first true road game, um, against Maryland. So until then, love you guys. Elio. Elio. He said.